Well, my name is Nicholas Todd, and I've been a member of LEFC since 2015, and I'm fortunate to serve on the pastoral team as well. Um, ushers. Ushers have Bibles. If you need one today, just catch their attention as they're walking down the aisles. Now, today our primary text is Luke 24, 44 through 53, but, but don't turn there. Don't turn there. Uh, I want to start by looking at blessing. Blessing has a rich beginning in Scripture. From the very beginning, God was blessing. And when I say from the very beginning, get this, it's Genesis 1 where we experience it. The first book of the Bible, in the first chapter of the Bible, creation is blessed. And I would love your participation if you choose to be part of this today. Two things you can do in this moment. One, as I speak parts of Genesis 1, I would love your verbal response. Every time I'll stop reading, I'll point to you, and when I point to you, I want you to say what's on the screen. That's the first thing. If you can multitask, there's a two. I challenge you to listen for blessing. Let's do one as an example. I'll read, then point to you. When I point to you, read what's on the screen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the empty void and darkness, God spoke light into being. God saw that. Got it? Let's keep going. In the beginning, God separated the waters, and the earth was given sky. Water was put in one place and dry land in another. God saw that. In the beginning, God's creation burst forth from the ground. Seed-bearing plants and trees bore fruit according to its kind. God saw that. In the beginning, God shaped the light the earth receives. The sun, moon, and stars were placed, and light was separated from darkness. God saw that. In the beginning, after creating sky, earth, the seas, the lights, God populated the waters with living creatures, great creatures, small creatures, and then threw life into the sky, gravity defied by wings. Birds soared. God saw that. In the beginning, God told the land to produce living creatures, livestock, wild animals, things that trot and mosey and move along the ground. God saw that. In the beginning, God made humankind in God's own image. Image bearers. Creation that would bear the fingerprint of a master creator, that would reflect the love of the creator, that would reflect the stewardship of the creator. Creation that would sum up the praises of all creation. And all that was created prior to this moment was given to humankind. We became the curators of this masterpiece. God saw that... What blessing did you hear? And God saw that it was good. This is in the text seven times. And I don't believe it to be read like how one might encourage themselves after doing something good. Like a form of self-encouragement to keep up the work. Hey, look what I did. I'm pretty awesome. I should keep it up. This is good. Consider these seven it was good moments not as self-encouragement, but as a blessing on all of creation. 
that what has been made is creative, righteous, connected. And then in Genesis 1, we can look at two specific verses that use the word blessing. Right after creating the creatures of the sea and the birds of the sky, and God saw that Genesis 1.22 says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. Then after humankind being made in the image of God, being image bearers, we hit Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And this blessing continues. This blessing continues in verse 29. I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. Have you heard all of this? Humankind was made in the image of God, urged to procreate, trusted with the stewardship of creation, and blessed by God when pronounced very good. Pray with me. Lord, I, in this moment, in a way, I'm overcome with, with this blessing. What a gift. And we're also fortunate to hold Scripture in our hands. And Lord, as we, as we finish our series today, as we look at further blessing in Scripture. Lord, would you open our minds so that we might understand the Scriptures? Would it penetrate and be incarnate in our lives? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. This Genesis 1 characterizes our relationship with God as one of trust, wonder, love, and blessing. All of creation, ourselves included, were born to manifest and reveal God's goodness. I mean, hashtag blessed, right? Have you ever seen that hashtag? Hashtag blessed, it's on the screen. A couple weeks ago, March Madness wrapped up. March Madness is the yearly college basketball tournament. Now, now, I, I need to make sure that everyone understands that entering into this myself, I'm not a sports fanatic in any way. I used to be a sporter when I was younger. Sporter? Sport? Sport player? Athlete. Athlete. <laughs> I used to be an athlete. For the past couple years, I've been invited to join a group to put together a bracket for the March Madness Tournament which is basically a way to tell the world which teams I believe are going to win. My bracket is up on the screen behind me. Now, people have a number of methods of choosing which teams will win. One person that was in our group, an, an elder, you might say, <laughs> put together a bracket and was so confident in his basketball prophecy that he deleted the app used to keep track of the group and the results. That's a, that's a bold move. Very bold, very confident. I like that in an elder. So I have created basket, I've created brackets based on which team has the best mascot, the, the coolest school logo, 
and even which team I think has the best color scheme. <laughs> now, this year in the Sweet 16, we had Duke versus Virginia Tech, and boy, did I have a tough decision. Did I like the blue of Duke more than the orange and maroon of Virginia Tech? Or, or another way, should I pick the blue devil of Duke or the hokey bird of Virginia Tech? It really it boils down to who looks tougher. And who would you pick, the devil or a hokey? Anyways, that was the sweet 16. Uh, the sweet 16 teams lost, teams won, and the tournament came down to the final two teams. And the day after the final game, I saw the top 10 in our group of of bracket submitters. I learned that I had the best bracket for the LEFC 2019 group. <laughs> now, now that, that, I'll take it. <laughs> now, I could walk through the halls of LEFC on a Sunday with bragging rights. I won. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> hashtag winning. I mean, hashtag humble brag. Hashtag, all I do is win. Hashtag, DJ Khaled. <laughs> Hashtag, not church appropriate. <laughs> Ross, hey, hashtag, happy anniversary. Hashtag there it is. Has anyone seen someone tag an image or something on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with this, this hashtag, blessed? If you haven't seen this, you've missed more than 109 million posts in Instagram alone about breakfast, <laughs> gifts on birthdays or nights out with friends, more than 109 million. There are definitely some posts with genuine meaning, but there are also those that invoke holiness to be self-promoting or just ridiculous. Picked the bacon up off the ground before the dog got it. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> hey, you know what? Let's do something. Let's make one right now. Let's do this. Let's see. Let's do some screen sharing. You're going to see what we're going to put together. All right. So I have a box of supplies here. Oh, right. And we often see this in social media. So uh, first, we need to add a little bit of, of, of homely comfort. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just take this right here. I'm going to set it right here. A nice, a nice crocheted knit. I don't know what it is. It's comfy. But I never use it. My dog uses it. So it smells like my dog. <laughs> so we'll start with that. It's got some good color pop to it. And then I also have, oh, this is good. I have uh, my favorite uh, cat mug. So I'll put that right there. Um, and then I have a couple pens. I have different colors, too. I don't really use all three colors, but um, it, it's going to look good in a, in a shot for social media. Um, I have my leather Bible. My leather Bible. Now, this, this Bible looks good in a picture, all right? Now, I, I spend most of my time in a Bible app, but that's all right, I'm taking a picture. I gotta show something to the world, so I got that. And then I have some, um, I have some preaching notes. So I have these preaching notes right here as well. Now to really get this going, I'm gonna turn to our text for today. Uh, 
Look at that. It's red. It's going to look good. All right. So let's see how this looks. Let's see how this looks. All right. Look at that. So we got the comfort of home. Let's see what that looks like. It's pretty good. Can you see the cat? All right, now, now, just a minute. Now, I spent a little bit of time drawing this narwhal, so I want to make sure that gets in there, too. Let's get back to that. And you know what? Um, it's not complete without a succulent. So... There we go. All right. Now, here's the deal. When you take a picture, most people fail to do this. You should zoom with your feet or your body. There's no zoom on this. Not, not a good one, at least. So I'm just going to get close enough that they can see my narwhal, my cat mug, my succulent, my, my knitted item, and the text. And if they look close enough and zoom in, they'll be able to see what it is. All right, let's do that right there. All right, that's my gift to you all today. All right. I think it looks all right. So what hashtags should I use? Um, let's go with hashtag cat mug. Uh, it's hashtag meow you doing. Um, let's get some Old Testament in there. Let's do hashtag first fruits. Um, I've said before that everything points to Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And speaking of points, Christian Instagram bonus points for an Old Testament reference. And if I post this tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., first moment of the day, first fruits, um, hashtag narwhal, hashtag narwhal. Uh, and let's get serious to show I'm mature. Hashtag Jesus, hashtag he is risen, it was just Easter. And finally, hashtag blessed. With more than 109 million posts about being blessed, it makes me consider the spiritual climate of our nation. More blessing could correlate with a thriving spiritual environment. That humanity can identify those things that have come from God because of a turning to Jesus. But data doesn't show this. In a sampling of 35,000 Americans over a seven-year period, the Christian share of the population fell almost 8% while those that identified as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular rose almost 7%. So religion becomes less popular, while blessed becomes more popular. Many of these 109 million posts are totally independent of religion or recognition of our Creator. The Word has become secularized. And in the Spirit... In the spirit, in the fun with which I did it, but in the spirit with which I completed this just now, I would wager to say that I'm just as guilty with these blessed posts. The most honest thing about this picture is my narwhal and my affection for the cat mug. It does bring me a lot of joy. Blessing is big. Humanity, yes, should see the small things that God has given us, but we have much more to recognize. And this is what brings us to our passage, Luke 24, 44 through 53. This is page 990 if you're using the Bible the ushers passed out. And a lot has happened between the creation of the earth and this moment with Jesus. Our current series has been drawing out the behavior of Christ in parts of his ministry. 
Now, Pastor Tony ended in verse 27 last week with Easter. Between 27 and 44, there is some wonderful interaction between Jesus and his disciples. After his resurrection, he meets up with some of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. And let me be extra clear here, this wasn't a planned up meeting. This was two disciples that had given up everything that they understood, everything that they had given up to follow Jesus was gone. And as they walked away from the action, also remember this, Jesus showed up to walk with them. Jesus was suddenly with them, but they didn't recognize him. They walk for a time, and we hit verse 27. You know what verse 27 says? It says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, this is Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And then the writer of the book of Luke goes right along on the walk. Have you ever imagined that you will meet and interact with the writers of scripture one day? That you'll be able to pick the brain of the apostle Peter or ask the apostle Paul what was happening when he wrote this epistle or that epistle? I do. And this moment right here in Luke is where I I just want to like just shake Luke and say what gives. And you shouldn't really shake anybody. That's a little aggressive. Um, But I would at least want to stomp on his foot. Maybe with heels to get his attention. Probably just wearing heels would get his attention. But of all the things not to include in Scripture... Of all the things not to include in Scripture, why, Luke, would you not include what, have, could have, what could have been the greatest Bible lesson of all time? Jesus explained it all, and not a single word of it is shared with us. I want the mystery of Jesus fully explained in the words of Jesus. That's the conversation between me and Luke in the future. So back to the walk. It gets late. They stop for the night. They break bread together. And this is the moment where they recognize Jesus. But as soon as they recognize him, he vanishes, gone, disappears right in front of their eyes. And the disciples run back to Jerusalem and tell the others what they have experienced. Now back in Jerusalem, Jesus appears in front of them. And what are his first words to them? Peace be with you. They thought he was dead He has appeared and shows up with shalom, the Jewish equivalent of an ordinary hi. I love it. So they're scared, thinking he's a ghost, and he addresses their doubts. And while they are still doubting, after seeing his hands and feet, he says, hey, do you have anything to eat around here? His physical presence needed physical food. This was no ghost. And Luke the doctor is making a point here. The book of Acts addresses this first century Hebrew cultural bit. It's in Acts 12. Acts 12 has this, this, this unique exchange where Peter is in prison, bound with chains, and escapes with the help of an angel. A group that has been praying for Peter was gathered in a home, and Peter shows up and knocks on the door. And the servant goes to check, recognizes it's Peter at the door, and goes to tell the group that Peter is here. And their response is... You're out of your mind. It's impossible. It can't be the real Peter. It must be an angel. Hebrews 1.14 are not the angels all ministering spirits. Spirit presence was likely 
the expectation. Luke is saying this was the physical Jesus. Jesus was fully back. This matters not so much for the topic of blessing, but for making the disciples more like us. Or another way to think of it, realizing that we are more like the disciples than we think. This helps to explain to us, mostly North Americans, with limited exposure to visible spiritual manifestations, that the disciples weren't crazy to think that he was a ghost. They weren't dumb. In this moment, based on what they had experienced, there was some reason to doubt. How often had they experienced someone they were close to return from the dead physically? We get to chapter 24, verses 44 through 45. Jesus said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. This statement in verse 44, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, prophets, and Psalms. This speaks very boldly to the Jewish people in the room. This is Christ referring to all of the Old Testament, not just the Torah. This is an all-encompassing statement. And it's followed by Jesus opening their minds so they can understand the scriptures. Do you know what it's like to understand a passage in the Bible with more than your mind? More than just right answers and wrong answers? When the passage comes to life and becomes incarnate in your soul, the words of Scripture coming together in a way that connects your life with a greater story, the disciples thought they knew it. They memorized and lived with the scriptures. They were, like, they were likely hearing what they thought they knew, but now for the very first time, it made sense to them. And this is important for all of us here. We need to revisit scripture. Pray that you hear the voice of the Lord as you read and pray. Pray that you might remember what you already know and that you'll grow in understanding. Jesus goes on in our text and reminds the disciples of some things. Verses 46 through 49. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So he has opened their minds. He summarizes the last number of days. And then Jesus gives those in front of him and those of us here something that can potentially get us in trouble. The Lucan Commission. The Lucan Commission overflows into the book of Acts also written by Luke. And here, here it all is. This is Luke 24, 47 through 49, going into Acts 1. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And this is Acts 1. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Have you heard of the Great Commission? I remember when I heard and found the Great Commission in the book of Matthew. It was not the greatest moment. There was this feeling in the room that I was less of a Christian 
because I didn't know it by heart, that I couldn't immediately bust it out and reference it by book and chapter. And I remember how I felt. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this great commission, write this reference down. It's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Read through it. Be aware of it. It's important. And this is the moment in Matthew where Jesus tells his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is important to recognize and know, not just so you have the knowledge of something, but so you know what Jesus has sent his followers to be and do. Barna, it's an evangelical Christian research firm, revealed a report in October 2017 that addressed if churchgoers had ever heard of the term the Great Commission. 51% said no. 25% said yes, but couldn't recall what it meant. 17% had heard it and gave the exact meaning. 6% said they weren't sure. I don't know what happened to the last 1%. Bonner researchers nevertheless cautioned that this study cannot conclude whether respondents are ignorant of the scriptural mandate itself or just unaware that is commonly called the Great Commission. Matthew has the Great Commission, and it's beautiful. It has sadly been used in some circles in a triumphalist way, that the mission of the church is about extending the power of the church. And the command is clear in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. Go and fill the earth. I like it even more with the Lucan commission, though. Together, where repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And at Christ followers, we are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of these things. You have been forgiven. And I hope you have recognized where your life must engage Jesus. And as a witness of these things in your life, you witness to others. The Greek word for witness in Luke 24, 48 sounds similar to another word we use. It's martyrez. This is where we get our modern-day word martyr. Originally, the word had legal convert connotation. A martyrez would give testimony, would speak on someone else's behalf. But this also means you were paying attention, you were watching, you were observing. And this is the ultimate commissioning. You will go out and testify to the resurrection and forgiveness of sins. You saw it for yourself and you'll be persecuted for it. This is where Luke spices things up. Verse 49, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. You, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. The instruction in 49 is to stay, sit, wait until you've been clothed with power. Talk about just that right there, a solid teaching instruction. Already, so much of the Christian life is waiting Sit. Stay. And what about this power of the Holy Spirit? Another Greek word, donamis. That's where we get our modern word, dynamite. 
We are called to be martyrs through the dynamite of the Holy Spirit. This Lucan commission makes the Great Commission less of a command that we might reject and more of a gift, a blessing to the church. It isn't so much something we have to do to be good Christian boys and girls, but something that flows naturally out of the work of the Spirit in our lives, out of the abundance of God's grace and the power of His Spirit flows naturally our witness to our neighbor. And the last part, verse 50. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. So they had been listening to Jesus these few years, but not always getting it. And shh, this is me. This is you. The disciples, we have heard his teaching and seen a paradigm-shifting behavior. So imagine this moment. Their minds have been opened, and Jesus leads them out to Bethany and gives one last blessing and then ascends into heaven. And again, Luke, we don't know the final blessing. I imagine it was a continuation of the Lucan commission, a blessing in the continuation of the servant task that Jesus began, a blessing in the continuation of Jesus' ministry, a collective blessing to continue the ministry of Jesus in taking the light of salvation to all. In the beginning, God made humankind in God's own image, image bearers, Creation that would bear the fingerprint of a master creator, that would reflect the love of the creator, that would reflect the stewardship of the creator. Creation that would sum up the praises of all creation. All that was created prior to that moment was given to humankind. We became the curators of this masterpiece. And God saw that a blessing in the very beginning, and a blessing as the last act of Jesus the Savior upon the earth. We have been hashtag blessed. As followers of Christ, believers today are blessed to be commissioned by him to take up the mission of the witness. All people All people are image bearers. And Jesus' blessing in this moment makes us Christ bearers. What's your faith story? Who can you tell it to? How have you been blessed? These questions almost feel overly simple. But these are the questions we are given as witnesses to Christ's work in our lives. These are the questions that put Christendom, that that challenge Christendom to pay attention, to observe, to give testimony, to give a confession. And that that is all we have. 
We make a confession to people, not an explanation. Explanations work to dispel the mystery. As Christ followers, we must confess what we can and also be settled that we will be confessing more than we can ever explain. Just like the, the disciples in Jerusalem, let's continue our worship. Pray with me. Lord, would we be able to hear this commissioning? Would we hear it not as, as a, a, an inappropriate burden, but a blessing that you gave to us from the beginning of creation and capstoned at that moment where Jesus said, you will bear me, you will bring me to all people, you will witness to people. Lord, help us to prepare our testimony. Would we fearlessly communicate that testimony and pray that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, can explain it to those with ears to listen. In your name, amen. If you'd like to pray with someone this morning, if you want to speak with someone about Jesus, about the disciples and this commissioning, we have people under the cross that will be ready and honored to pray with you. And this is the end of our Luke series. Anchored, our new series, begins next week. May God, who in Christ showed us his truth and love, make you witnesses to the divine blessing before all the world. May Jesus, his compassion, and his behavior on earth guide your steps. And may the Holy Spirit fill your words with dynamite that might reduce the suffering of others. I hope to see you next week. Go in peace.